You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Hey, hey, welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Jess O'Reilly here without my regular co-pilot, Brandon Ware, but just as fabulous. I won't say better because Brandon might listen to this this podcast, but just as fabulous I have with me today via distance, Marla Renee Stewart, a fabulous professional sexologist, intimacy, relationship, sex coach, speaker and author, and she is the co-founder of Sex Down South, which we'll talk about, but also the co-author of our most recent book, The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay. Marla, thanks so much for chatting with me. Yes, thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited to be here again, excited to talk to you. And you and I have been on a ton of podcasts promoting our book, but we haven't really sat down together and talked about it. No, no, we've sat down and talked about other things. <laughs> yes, ma- many things as of late. So, I mean, I should ask how you're doing right now. I know there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, a lot of, you know, heavy emotions being processed. And uh, oftentimes I think people want to separate sex as this mechanical or light or purely pleasure-based topic from the political, but sexuality is highly political. Yeah, it's so interesting because you know, like this is my life's work. And I always believe that the personal is political. So what we do in the bedroom is always going to be political, whether we want to hide those things or not, it's still going to affect our everyday life. And even thinking about sort of the current circumstances, it's just kind of interesting. I was um, actually talking to Luna yesterday and uh, I was talking about how all of a sudden, you know, everybody's like, oh, yes, Black Lives Matter, you know, and NFL's like, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, Black Lives do matter, you know, and like, all of these, you know, corporate organizations that, you know, have finally stopped hitting the snooze button, and are now starting to listen, because now they actually see, you know, and there was one thing I saw said, like, when Fox News and CNN, you know, agree on the same thing, you know, you know, you know, it's got to be wrong. And I'm just like, Wow. Right. So I I think it's, you know, part of me is just like, okay, now we're saying everybody's saying like, okay, Black Lives Matter. But what are they actually doing? You know, and I think a lot of these um, companies are saying it, but what are they implementing in their policies? You know, what are they doing to ensure that Black lives do matter. And, you know, the folks who are working for them, particularly the black folks and folks of color who are working for them, you know, what are they doing for them in terms of helping them with their life and bettering their life? And so for me, it's just, um, you know, I'm hoping, uh, you know, unfortunately, I just I hope it's just not a charade. I hope it just doesn't disappear. There was um, one company I was looking at um, where I like to look at for all these different goods. And they were like, oh, Black Lives Matter. And this is what we are actually doing. Like, we are going to make sure that all of our sellers, it's sort of like an alternative to Amazon, but it's like all of our sellers are, are um, we're going to implement 25 Black business owners for our, to our uh, to make sure they are also on our list. And we're going to do even better by 2021. 
And so for me, it's just like, okay, the, this company is actually doing something. Do you want to shout them and out? So, we don't have any big – don't worry. Amazon's not one of my sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the company is called like Uncommon Goods. Oh, yes. I know and Uncommon so, Goods. I like their glassware. Yeah. Yeah, right? I really love like you know, all their unique things. And um, and so I was just like, oh, I was like, this is really awesome. Like I'm, I'm glad like a company that I've been looking at um, has actually um, is actually doing something about that. And so um, that is what I'm really happy about is, you know, companies who are implementing these things. And to go back to thinking about how, you know, pleasure and how the personal is political, um, you know, like I said, this is my life's work. I've always been saying pleasure is the one thing that we can control. You know, we can't control all of the things that are around us. We can't control, you know, how other people treat us. Um, what we can control is the ways that we are, what we're doing with our lives and uh, as far as pleasure goes and how and, and, and our relationships with one another. These are the things that we can control to help, you know, the betterment of people. And I also believe that, you know, we, we've got to come together. So those folks who like shy away from having these conversations that are really, really important, it's very important, number one, that they get called out, I believe, you know, I believe they should get called out, but I believe there's a way of calling out people, um, and especially white people to say like, hey, you, you did this thing that was wrong, and like, this is why it's wrong, and let me tell you, you know, how to fix it. Um, because clearly, you, you're, you're, you're kind of, ignorant to it and so um and yeah and it just reminds me of sex down south when you know i had um another conference organizer email me and was just like hey do you don't you think that sex down south uh should be um uh, this is a, a white woman by the way oh let's just be, clarify to um, everyone I'm, i've talked about sex down south many times but it is a it's a sex conference that you organize and you can give us the the elevator pitch yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so Sex Down South is a three-day uh, sex and sexuality conference where we focus on all learning workshops. So uh, the type of workshops that we do, Jess, and like, you know, a lot of other folks from around the country and the world um, to come in and teach their thing. And our enthusiasts are always really excited to learn more and experience more. And so we learn during the day and then we like have fun and party at night. So it's a really fun experience. It's a really, it's a very family, I, I would say, oriented experience. Um, just lots of family, lots of friends who are in this industry and just being really welcoming and loving towards each other. Awesome. And so like, yeah, so like, yeah, so this white woman contacts me and she's just like, well, since the majority of our conference is people of color, you know, she was just like, uh, well, why don't you just make Sex Down South like all people of color? And I was like, no. I was like, white people need to learn from people of color. You know, we've been learning from white people for so long. And that is the prominent institution in which we all have to assimilate. So no, like you need to come to this conference. You actually need to come to this conference <laughs> because you need to learn something different and new, you know, more than, you know, the, your conference that you've been um, conducting. And so. And that's so, that's uh, so true that, you know, sexuality conferences have always been, uh, you know, very white 
and very old. Mm-hmm. And so I challenge, mm-hmm. you know, folks who are listening, if, if this conversation is making you uncomfortable, to please just to keep an open mind to the reality that for many of us, we've never really seen our experiences reflected. We don't usually see people who look like us um, with the microphone. I, I can say that, for example, yeah, I can't really think of many people who look like me um, or who look like my family working in this field. And so Sex Down South is a really special, really special space. It really changed my whole um, connection to the industry. I always felt like I was a sexuality professional, but that I worked outside of the industry because I didn't really see my people uh, within the industry. And Sex Down South was a really like important eye opener for me. So I definitely encourage people to check it out. And it, it is open to all people, right? People of all gender identities and sexual orientations and walks of life and and you try and make it as accessible as possible uh, and it's it's usually in Atlanta in September but this year there might be some changes so we'll, we'll wait for some announcements from, from you on yeah. that um, you know changes beyond our control obviously right well, yeah so we're yeah we're still working it out but we'll, we'll have a we'll have a decision soon and it's so cool the reason another reason I love this conference is that it's it's a talk the talk but also walk the walk conference so oftentimes if you go to sexuality conferences there are really interesting discussions during the day and then at night it's as about about as fun as I imagined uh I don't know a dental hygiene conference being, although maybe dental hygiene is fun, I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, it's as vanilla. And whereas Sex Down South has some saucy, racy, sexy uh, parties in the evening. So it, it really is cool. And you can kind of participate to whatever degree you're comfortable. You can be a voyeur, you can be an exhibitionist, you can you know go to the dungeon, or you can just go to a, a discussion group. So it's, yeah, it's really, really cool and worth checking out. So, and that's how we met. And we ended up writing this book over the course of the last year together. And we are hosting a virtual book launch because all of our book signings and tours and events, of course, in person have been canceled. But on Wednesday, June 24th, so just in a couple of days, Wednesday, June 24th at 7 p.m. Eastern on Zoom, you and I are having our virtual book launch. We're really excited for this. It's going to be hosted by Tayomi Morgan. We are going to have share a little info. It's not like a book reading, obviously. And we're going to have some games and prizes and some very cool sponsors uh, with with giveaways. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a great night. So I thought this was a great opportunity to talk about our book, The Ultimate Guide to Seduction yes. and Foreplay. And I'm, you and I, we're both so proud of this project. Um, mm-hmm. For me, in comparison to any book I've ever written, this one just blows them all out of the water. And it was I, I'm really proud of our collaboration. And I guess I should ask you, what, what, what excites you? What are you most proud of when it comes to The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay? Like I'm, I'm, I'm proud of a, a like all of it, but <laughs> I think the thing, one of the things that I'm, one of the things that I'm most proud of is the accessibility of the book. And I, you know, I, I always strive to be as accessible as possible, you know, in my workshops and at the conference and in my life in general. And so with this book, I'm really proud of just how we were able to use our language um, to ensure that like, if you have these body parts, then this is for you, right? And I, um, 
that's what I'm really, really proud of because folks who, who normally have such gendered language in their lives are able to say like, oh my gosh, like this is actually for me, I can actually do these things and it's not so gendered where they would feel uncomfortable. And so that's definitely one of the things that um, I'm very, very proud of. And, and I just feel like more people should, should follow our lead, you know, as far as um, how to talk to people with regards to, um, you know, their body parts and what they do. Awesome. And uh, yeah. And then the second part of the book uh, that I'm really proud of, gosh, I'm like, I'm proud of everything. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. I, I think I, I think it really the communication pieces, mm-hmm. you know, like thinking about the conversations. Um, I, I just feel like a lot of sometimes with my clients, they just aren't having these conversations. And because this book has so many prompts and so much like, you know, homework and questionnaires and questions, I just think it's super, super important that, you know, couples or whoever you're in a relationship with can can answer these questions and can use these prompts to have a better understanding um, of your sex life. So, yes, I, I really I love the thought provoking questions that we provide and the examples that we provide. Those are what I'm proud of, too. I think that's my favorite part as well. So we wrote this book as, you know, kind of erotic theory, but with the practical take home. So we have sections of the book entitled Lover's Inquiries and Seduction Instructions. And these are, there are really, I think, hundreds of do this now questions, prompts, conversation starters, exercises, activities. Um, so it's 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 part work, workbook. In fact, I think if we got a neck, an, another version, I'd want to include, you know, a companion workbook. And I thought that you and mm-hmm. I, you, I thought that you and I could try one of the seduction instructions. And as I said, there's so much more in the book. And we're going to be talking about some of the theory of the book uh, on June 24th, as I said, at 7 p.m. Eastern on Zoom. So make sure you join that. And we're going to have that all up on our websites and on our social. We're just waiting to finalize the final details. You'll find them. Actually, they're already there. They're going to be there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I was thinking we could try one of these seduction instructions. Now, uh, with with all of these, they're intended for people who are either in relationships or interested in relationships, but certainly they all serve as self-reflections as well. So I thought we could play with the very first seduction instruction in the book that sets the tone and asks people to really consider where, they, where they're beginning uh, as, as they open the book. And I, I think if you were to do everything in the book, it would be overwhelming. But if people could just do 10% of it, I think it could be life-changing. So I, I'm going sure. to ask you first, if you don't mind, uh, the very first yeah. seduction instruction asks people to consider the questions or use them as free writing prompts just to think about where they're at, beginning with, oh, Marla, here we go. What is the most seductive thing about you? Ooh, so the most seductive thing about me, gosh, I would probably have to say physically my eyes and my attention to people. And I think that draws people in a lot. So yeah, so I I feel like when people get drawn in by me, I think it's, it's, 
maybe it's my aura, my energy and my and my eyes and being able to like get some real eye contact going. You have, you have those what big, about you? You have those big eyes. Yeah. <laughs> big, beautiful, beautiful eyes. Um, well, can I add to that? I, I was thinking that for me, what is most attractive, do you mind if I say what's most attractive about yeah, you? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, physically, Please. physically, yes, obviously you're very yeah. be- beautiful. But there's something about you that is just um, so easygoing. Like there's a seriousness and a playfulness that you balance and you're just really, really easygoing. And I I don't know, because a mutual friend of ours, Luna Matadas, who everybody has heard me speak about, Luna and I have a lot in common. And we, we talk about how you're so different in just like your confidence. I don't know. Do you consider yourself a really confident person? Because you come across as so confident. I do. I do. I'm pretty confident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that's I'm pretty secure. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what to me makes you very easygoing. And actually secure is probably a better word like high, like high self-esteem. Because um, I, I can say I'm probably a very confident person, meaning I believe in my abilities, but not always, you know, um, trusting that other people see me in a positive light. So that's something I can work on. Now, I've changed the question, so I should bring it back to myself. What is the most seductive thing about me? Um, I think I'm kind of up for anything and playful. Like I'm not going to shut anything down. And um, Mm -hmm. I will always kind of present you as a lover with new options so that, you know, even if I don't really want to, I'll do it because I think it's important or because I think that like – you know, it, it might be exciting. So I think that the openness yes. is what's seductive about, about me. Um, yes. Okay. And I want to add, I want to add, <laughs> <laughs> I want to add that one of the most seductive things I, um, about you is that you, you have just really great conversations and like you really ask some poignant questions that really get people thinking and then you not only have the questions but then you also like really think about the practice and that for me is really really attractive because you know all day we can sit here and talk about theory and you know have a blast and and get really in our heads but the practicality of everything is what's really really important i think to me that's a beautiful thing that you always do in your conversations in your lectures and just like i said just your even your casual conversations when we have you know when we're sitting on the couch you know drinking wine so <laughs> it's like th- those are the things that are really really fun and attractive to me about you and why i like to be around you oh thank you and i miss sitting on the couch drinking wine with you one day <laughs> one day soon okay yes i don't know if you have the book open in front of you but then the next question is mm-hmm. What have other people told you about your sex appeal? What do they say turns them on when it comes to you, your personality or your behavior or your appearance? Gosh. Um, I feel like it's what you just described. So um, I think my personality and and being able to just, uh, oh, you know what? I, you know, one of my friends said I'm consistent. <laughs> so um, sexy. And that I'm always consistent. I know. I'm like, you know, uh, there's not, you know, there's nothing like too up and down about me. I'm just very, very consistent in that. I don't know what makes me attractive. Um, 
Yeah. So maybe, yeah, being open, non-judgmental. Um, people like my legs. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's it. I like that. And I think that I would encourage people to, you know, we're giving you our, our version here, but to like kind of keep a running tally of, of your own sex appeal, right? What what do people like mm-hmm. about you? Like soak in those compliments. Um, you know, for me, I mean, people always compliment the way I look. I, I know that, you know, people like the way I look and I like the way I look. It's a weird thing to say, right? Like I'm beautiful, but it's, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's an important thing to say. And uh, you know, I guess what people comment on is not really what, I, maybe not what I value. So people will talk about, you know, that I have the looks and I have the brains. And I'll never forget that when I was little, my mom says that, you know, people would always tell her how smart I was, you know, the teachers, and they'd say, she's so smart, she's so mm. smart. And my mom would cut people off and say, she's really kind. She's really a kind person because she always wanted the emphasis to be taken away from being cute or being smart and being focused mm. on how I treat people. And, you know, my mom taught me so much. I know you have a, a really sweet relationship with your mom as well. Um, I, don't mm-hmm. know, I don't know if it's like my mom where they can also drive you up the wall at times, but my, my mom is just <laughs> just really the best and, and taught me so much about life. Like I feel like I was, you know, four years old and she was already teaching me that, yeah, it's nice to be cute and it's and it's good to be, you know, there are advantages to being smart, I suppose. But she really just wanted me to treat people well. And I, I carry with that with me today. So it's interesting that people tend to comment on, you know, the way you look or how smart you are. And I think as a woman, people see that as some sort of very special combination, although, you know, it, may, it certainly isn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, but- I think too... When I um I, what I learned from my mother is just um the positive affirmation the the reinforcement that I got from my mother so um and I do that with other people and I think that's what also kind of makes me attractive because a lot of people did not get that as a kid they did not get the positive reinforcement of like oh you did such a great job or whatever like and I think um, for people to experience that I remember. I had an ex-girlfriend who thought I was being sarcastic, you know, because, yeah, because she had never experienced someone giving her, you know, positive reinforcement in her life. And I thought, wow, that's, that's all I've known, you know? Um, So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we both, yeah, had mothers who were, who taught us a lot and who, who, who did a good job at parenting. <laughs> really? And she still does. My mom still does, you know, uh, actually. Oh I, yeah, me I, too. If Brandon were here, he'd say that, you know, I think he has trouble taking the positive reinforcement, um, mm. especially cause I think I give a lot of it. First of all, the man is amazing. <laughs> so it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty easy. <laughs> it's pretty easy to give him positive reinforcement, but I think that he almost doesn't want to hear it because he feels motivated by having to live up to something. Like he feels motivated by not feeling good enough. And that's something that we often talk about and, you know, think about breaking it down Mm. and rewriting those scripts. That's something you did in the book. Um, So we wrote the book together, but there are sections that you really focused on and sections that I really focused on. And there is an exercise on positive affirmations that is more than just writing it down and looking it in the mirror. I really appreciated that, that entire section. So I encourage people to, you know, skip forward to that if uh, if the Mm -hmm. minute strikes you. Yeah. 
All right. So next question. Is, and you can imagine that each of these questions could lead to a day or a week of discussions. So I always encourage people to not feel like you have to get through an exercise in a in a sitting you might pick one question per week and use the book for several years um, and other people might be more you know concise in their answers so the next question is uh, what makes you anti-seductive would you like to change anything about your behavior or approach oh gosh I think what makes me anti-seductive is um Sometimes I just, I say what I feel and uh, with some people who are a little bit more sensitive or just are more emotional by nature tend to um, think I'm being harsh with my words. And so I think that um, makes me anti-seductive sometimes with some people. Um, well, I think that's such an important point, too, that, you know, we talk about seduction being everything you do to arouse interest right. and pleasure. Right? We, we, we start right from the beginning of the book saying, you know, seduction isn't a game. It's not manipulation. It's not a means to an end. It is pleasure in and of itself. And, of course, sex means very different things to different people. But we also talk a little bit about rejection. And if your style isn't a fit for some people – that's also okay too, because you're not necessarily seducing every person under the sun. Right, exactly. So if, if people don't like that direct approach, um, you know, you might tone it down at times, you might smooth the edges at other times, or you might not, and just know that that's not going to be a fit for you. Right, exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, not, like you said, not everything is for everybody. So, um, and that's why we have that, like, there's so many different educators and so many people in the world that are doing certain things. And I think, you know, you just have to find the, the person or persons that resonate with you the most. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Okay. What makes me anti-seductive? Ooh, I, I could make a list. <laughs> <laughs> um, first, I, I lose interest quickly. So if something isn't mm. working, I get frustrated easily. Um, and so sometimes with seduction and with pleasure and with sex, you need to push through a little because not everything is going to run smoothly and perfectly and be a 10 the entire time. And so I, I don't know if there's a part of me that can be, uh, I guess I'm just easily dissuaded. And so... Mm. You know, I have to work on, for me, what works is being more mindful, like practicing mindful sex and bringing myself back and to really enjoy the moment. So that's part of what makes me anti-seductive. Um, I'm moody. <laughs> I'm sure that can be. <laughs> I'm sure that can be. And I'm more moody now than usual. Just like having been uh, grounded for three uh, months is just, it's, it's just, yeah, it's a brand new experience for me and my my purpose when it can, comes to work isn't the same. I'm just not able to deliver in the same way. So what would I what I'd like to change about my behavior is I, I think I just need to be a little bit more present, a little bit more in the moment, um, maybe a little bit less distracted. I've been trying to put my phone away earlier. I've been trying to, uh, you know, as I said to you yesterday, I went on a long rollerblade or not that long, but longer and didn't check my phone, you know, at the lights and stuff like that at a red light. So I mm -hmm. just think I can be a little bit more present. Okay, um, let's try and bang out a few more. Do you have a couple more minutes? 
Yeah. Um, what do people find curious about you and how do you entice others to be curious about you? Ah, I think um, what people find curious about me is they really want to know about my personal life. Um, as much as I am an open book and, you know, I have stories for days, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, like, similar to you, how you sort of bring Brandon on and kind of talk about, like, my, in my personal life, like, Esther's like, I am not interested. In, <laughs> and, like, you know, like, when she's in person, you know, like, you know, she can talk to people in person, but, like, as far as, like, bringing her on to, to something or, um, well, actually, she did want to do some sort of YouTube videos, but, you know, I feel like that thought's always kind of fleeting, you know, like here and there. Um, but, you know, I, I I think people want to know, like, what I do in my personal life, my day-to-day life. I think because, you know, I'm not on social media, like, all the time or, you know, have my face on all the time. I think people are like, what are you doing? What is happening? <laughs> and so um, I think that's what you know, that is, that's the thing about the the curiousness. I think knowing what else do have I done in my life and what are the, like, what are the the sexual things that I've done in my life to, to, you know, I don't know the the stories, I guess. I think that's the curious thing. I I think that's gotta be a standard across the board for anyone who teaches about sexuality or taught. They want to know what do you do behind closed doors? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Partly because they want to know where we're drawing our perspective from. So they want to know, okay, you're talking about this, but do you do this? And I get that question all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. How do I entice, let let me say rather than others, but like, because I'm not really trying to entice everybody to be curious (laughs) about me. (laughs) But how how do I entice a lover? Well, I I can actually speak in, in my relationship with Brandon. Um, I like to keep some things kind of separate. And I I don't know if the word is secret, but private. I I don't like him to know everything. I don't fill him in on every conversation. Um, You know, I have intimate conversations with friends, and I don't run home and share it with him. Uh, And I think it's nice to have that separation. And, you know, part of my theory around relationships is that we need some distance uh, in order to ensure that curiosity and desire and passion remain in the long term. And I know some people will disagree. And what I would say is that everybody needs a different amount of distance, a different amount of um, privacy. And so I think we all need a little bit, at least, and some people are enticed by more. And yeah, so that's how I sort of live my life. Now, there's so many questions. We're not even through like the first itty bitty section. This is literally page one. Um, (laughs) I'm going to ask this question because I think it's important to round it out. How do you Mm -hmm. handle rejection? How did you respond the last time you faced rejection, not limited to sex? And do you want to adjust the way you think or behave moving forward? And, And I would love to write a whole book on rejection because I think it is a brilliant and powerful life skill that I'm, I'm really working on and struggling with like any, any human being. Yeah. So when it comes to rejection for me, I always think about the four agreements. Um, and I address this in my work. It's just like with, with rejection, well, you know, it's, if I'm being rejected, um, I have to just take it. 
And for me, I think that's probably where the confidence comes in, right? And it's just like, oh, well, somebody else will like this or, you know, like um, being able to like, okay, well, maybe it's not about me. Maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe something else. But then, you know, sometimes it is about you, you know, like, and that's okay. Um, But you could just, you know, leave with tact, move on. Um, So, yeah, I am. yeah, when I am when I am rejected, I uh, I just kind of like you know, I just have to force myself to like move on, and and that's okay, and just chalk it up to like, all right, that's it. I there's plenty of other things that I can do, or plenty of opportunities. I think I'm always kind of hopeful and optimistic, um, in I'm, general. So I think I, that helps. <laughs> I love that. I think from the outside, we might see you as, oh, Marla just bounces back. And what people don't realize is that everybody is doing the work to have their own version of bounce back. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of how I handle rejection, so it's interesting because I often encourage people to look at their emotional responses outside of the bedroom and learn from those so that they can kind of start to understand how they respond in the bedroom or sexually. And so looking in non-sexual circumstances at non-sexual scenarios and interactions can feel lower pressure. Um, So when I think about rejection in work and in life, um, I have the bad habit of, of looking to avoid it. And, and that's a really dangerous thing to do um, because it, it holds you back. And my fear of rejection has historically held me back from going after things and more waiting for things to come to me or doing like more inbound marketing type, uh, you know, work when it comes mm-hmm. to business. And I've had to push myself a little and learn to lean into the possibility of rejection. And I, I do think it comes from Uh, kind of a lifetime of not really experiencing rejection. Again, not because, you know, life was perfect, but because I I avoided situations that might have led to rejection. And so this is something Mm. that I I really only came into my consciousness, I'd say about 10 years ago. Um, So I was 30. And I, you know, I had to push myself, start pushing myself to do things to experience rejection so that I wouldn't experience so much anxiety around it, right? So in cognitive behavioral therapy, we talk about an exposure hierarchy, exposing yourself to something that you experience anxiety around to see that exposure in and of itself is not going to lead to (laughs) the apocalypse. And um, when I think about how how I'm getting better and better at um, accepting rejection and also being able to look at it, you know, sometimes you just have to feel a feeling, but sometimes you also have to look at it and say, okay, why does this bother you so much? What is it that you want? And it's given me a clearer picture of what matters to me and what what I really value in life. And I don't know if this is sounding abstract, so maybe I'll just, if I bring it back to sex, um, the truth is I do have a fear of being rejected even by like my long-term partner who is going to reject me with with grace and with kindness and so it has in the past held me back from initiating and kind of like doing things to get him to initiate 
And I know mm. that that's not always fair because Brandon, if anybody listens to the podcast, know, you know that Brandon loves to be wanted. Like he wants me to show an intense desire for him. And that can't always be responsive. So I've really had to kind of step up. And I actually did this last week. I, on Sunday, I was not in the mood. But I was thinking about how we've been spending so much time together, Brandon and I, because, well, can't see anyone else. And um, <laughs> I was thinking how good I feel with him, like how comfortable, how loved, and just like how safe. And I was also thinking, wow, those are great feelings and they're not that exciting. So I need to do something exciting this morning. So I kind of like pushed myself into this very uncomfortable place and did all this like different, um, you know, basically exploring a fantasy that was very, very risky, uh, or felt very Mm. risky. And I'm really glad I did it. Because um, oftentimes, I think I have let my fear of rejection hold me back. And I I want Brandon to have everything he wants. Like, I don't want to hold him back ever from anything. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I know he's also not the type of person who's going to push or even ask. So I did that on Sunday. Look at me giving myself a gold star. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, uh, so there are so many more questions and prompts in this book. We have like a, an interview that's all about your seduction style. And you're going to talk about how our learning styles affect our seduction styles and how we enjoy sex on the 24th on Zoom at 7 p.m. at the book mm-hmm. launch. Um, you're also going to talk about how to plant sex seeds. We're going to talk about um, co- your core erotic feeling and eroticizing daily interactions. And we're going to play some games. We're hoping people will, like, dress up because I think there's going to be a prize for best dressed, right? Yes, yes. We got some good sponsors. So, yes, I'm excited. And you're more of a visual person, so I think you should probably pick the best dressed. Okay. <laughs> I'll like I'll like pick the person sure. with toilet paper in the background or something. <laughs> <laughs> but we we and there's going to be a quiz game, so you don't have to read the book to win the quiz game. But you know, having read the book might help. So we do encourage people to to check it out to check out the Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay from your local bookshop. If you're in Canada, um, I ch- I would recommend GoodForHer.com. So they're a, a local feminist sex shop and, and bookshop so check out good for her and and in the states what would you recommend to people um Karis, definitely Karis books and more um which is atlanta's uh longest running or in the states i believe the longest running feminist bookstore in the south and the longest feminist longest feminist running bookstore in the south yes awesome and yeah they carry it at Karis is spelled c-h-a-r-i-s and they ship across the country correct Mm-hmm. Yes. And of course, it's sold everywhere else books are sold. So wherever you get your books, you'll you'll be able to find The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay. Uh, Marla, I really appreciate you chatting with me today. Any any final thoughts, anything to leave people with before they join us on Wednesday for our Zoom party? Well, I'm super excited about the party and our launch because uh, this has been a long time coming. And, uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited Tayomi's going to be there and like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, really fun. And Tayomi Morgan, can you tell us a little bit about her? Yeah, Tayomi is a wonderful, wonderful, um, you know, she's a, an amazing uh, sexpert, Tayomi. Um, she has learned under me for a little bit and then um, she's just a very large following, millennial following. Um, she used to be on America's Next Top Model, 
Um, so she was modeling and then uh, moved into the sex industry. And so she has a lot of different facets uh, when it comes to sex and sexuality. So I think she has like her, you know, an OnlyFans page as well as she's featured um, in, she lives in Chicago. So she's featured uh, on TV a lot there um, on her local news channels. So um, I'm super excited to have her. She's amazing, a wonderful spirit. She's so sweet. Um, and she, you know, she does a ride them uh, cowgirl classes. Uh, Ooh, so, I need that. You know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it's so, it, and uh, we have a lot of, you know, folks in common. Uh, some people who are just in my class uh, yesterday were at Tayomi's cowgirl class. So we, you know, there's a, a, just a lot of over, overlap and, um, but yeah, she's just a really wonderful, amazing woman who, um, is just yeah glamorous very glamorous knows a lot about sex yeah <laughs> awesome so yeah she's going to be hosting the event and it's going to be a lot of fun so folks mark your calendar june 24th 7 p.m eastern get dressed up if you feel like it of course you don't have to turn on your camera if you want to just be a voyeur that's okay too but we're going to get dressed up um toast have a toast of course um whether you drink alcohol or non-alcoholic very, very welcome. So we'll see you there. Thanks so much, Marla. I really appreciate you chatting. And I'll see you on Wednesday night, too. Yes, thank you for having me. Pleasure. Before I let you go, I want you to know all about the fun stuff, all the cool prizes you can win on Wednesday night, because we've got actually a really incredible lineup. We have a very generous prize pack from WeVibe and Womanizer. We have a five-day, four-night couples convention package from Naughty in Nolens, which is billed as the largest lifestyle convention for couples in the world. It's a takeover of one of the French Quarter's biggest hotels, and it takes over Bourbon Street in New Orleans, supposed to be a really wild party, and they're giving us a four-night, five-day pass. Uh, we have a really essential prize pack from our good friends at Astroglide, all the slippery stuff that you need. Well, of course, we're going to be giving away multiple copies of our book, courtesy of the Macton Housing Group uh, in Atlanta, some conference registrations, two passes for Sex Down South, a, a complimentary coaching session or workshop from Velvet Lips via Marla, and one of my online courses of your choice from happiercouples.com. So we've got some cool stuff lined up, hoping that you will join us and we've got prizes for best dressed, best background, best social media fan, and a couple of others because we've got the quiz game lined up as well. And of course, if you are looking for the book in the States, please check out Karis Books and More. And if you're looking for the book in Canada, check out Good For Her. And you can register now for the event. It's already on Eventbrite. It'll be linked from my Instagram at sexwithdrjess. Uh, it's already up there. So go ahead, take a look, register in advance because we have uh, limited spaces. We're doing it over Zoom. And yeah, hope to see you there. So have a great one. See you Wednesday night. Come dressed to win. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. Improve your life.